that amazing testimonial and wonder box. I don't know that there's much preaching left to do this morning, but I have some stories at least that I'd love to share with you. Once upon a time, I was invited to a costume party hosted by none other than Scott Coyer, the coolest kid in my fifth grade class. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember fifth grade as the year that I first began to take notice of the social hierarchy of things. 
the year I first began to recognize that there was a sort of pyramid of coolness in my class, perhaps beyond it, with a few kids at the top and more of us, myself included, closer to the bottom. And I was fascinated by trying to figure out the rules of this game. Was I still at the bottom because I wore sweatpants to school every day when everyone else had moved on to real pants? Or because word had somehow gotten out that I wanted to grow up and be a singer like Mariah Carey? Definitely not cool, although it, it's a, dr a dream I still cling to. <laughs> now at the time, as far as I could tell, the most revered kids, the very cool, coolest at the very top, were the ones who were the very best at making fun of other kids, which made the whole system, theologically speaking, a very particular kind of hell. Looking back now, the rules seem to have been mostly correlated with gender roles and who was the best at performing their part, boy or girl, male or female. Girls with fashionable outfits were, of course, higher up on the pyramid, as were boys that were good at boy things, like playing sports or hiding your feelings. <laughs> right? So back to this high-stakes costume party. I had spent weeks deciding whether to go as a clown or an army guy. I had gone back and forth a dozen times, so I changed my mind at the last possible second. We'd actually left the house, but I ran back inside, threw off the clown costume I'd had on, grabbed the army guy outfit, and got dressed in the car on the way to the party. So you can only imagine my surprise when I arrived and learned that this was not, in fact, a costume party. Not at all. No, it was, though, an army-themed party. So at the end of the night, I was the one that won the award for best dressed. <laughs> Reverend Heather will testify that this is the only time in my life anyone has even considered giving me an award like that. <laughs> now, you would think that this miracle of good fortune would have left me feeling on top of the world, but I was actually just as scared as ever because I knew that even if I had been dealt a good hand for this one night, the rules of this game were still not in my favor. And just the picture of showing up to that army-themed party in a clown costume is an image that, even though it never happened, is still so burned into my mind that it haunts me to this day, so much so that I'm preaching to you about it this morning. Now fast forward a couple of years, and I attended a Unitarian Universalist summer camp in Illinois, near where I grew up, where these rules seemed to be turned upside down. In this new place, there were certainly still some people that were more popular than others, but, but they seemed to be the ones who were the warmest, the ones who were the most welcoming. Respect went to those that invited newcomers to join the conversation, that opened up the circle, the ones that fostered connection instead of competition. This was a place of genuine love. If you've ever found a place like that in your own life, would you say out loud right now, genuine love? Genuine love. I remember wondering, how does a place like this even happen? And one conversation that perhaps explains a piece of it has stuck with me. I was on a long walk with a new friend, enjoying each other's company, and at some point, well, I don't remember exactly what I said to him, but at some point, I basically bragged to him that someone who we were both close with had given me a friendship bracelet instead of him. Now you probably all know that in the social currency of hippie love camp, 
Friendship bracelets are like the gold standard, right? <laughs> so here I was, enjoying this person's company, really enjoying his company, and then saying this awful thing to him about who was closer friends with who. But he responded to my unkindness with love, and he did it in a way that I didn't even know was possible at the time. He made eye contact with me, and he smiled, and he said how glad he was that that I was finding a home here. This was a person of creative love. If you've had people like that in your life, would you say out loud right now, creative love? Whatever nonsense I'd learned about this social hierarchy and whatever awful lessons I had internalized about how men are supposed to speak to each other, I saw for just at least that moment for the ridiculousness that it was. I showed up believing that competition and put-downs was the way to make relationships or build community, but he showed, up, he showed up with a love that dismantles the status quo, and he literally loved the hell out of me. If we have any hope, friends, for building the kind of world we want to live in together, the kind of world we've envisioned in our hearts and articulated in our principles, we need to seek out those mentors who love us enough to meet us where we're at and love us enough not to let us stay there. And then we need to go out in the world and be that person for others because nobody but nobody can make it here alone. Way back in college, I attended a weekend-long training for street medics once upon a time. I learned a lot of useful things about providing first aid at protests how to do, treat minor cuts or, or prevent hypothermia. Perhaps particularly useful was flushing tear gas from one's eyes. But what has stuck with me most of all from this entire weekend of training and learning was our first 20 minutes of check-in. We were asked to go around and share our names and where we were from and the pronouns that we used, whether we wanted to be called by he or she or they or something else. Now, all my life, people had read my gender in somewhat complicated ways, but this was the very first time I'd ever been explicitly given the option of identifying as I wanted, as felt right to me. No one had ever asked before. Going on to learn the stories of transgender people in my life and in my reading after this, I began to recognize how, even though I continued to identify as male, I began to recognize how this multitude of behaviors and thoughts and feelings and preferences that make me the person I am had been carved up and placed in these narrow boxes of gender, boy or girl, male or female. This invitation to share my pronoun was a gift. You don't have to call yourself by what the rest of the world has always called you. You can show up here just as you are, no costume required. There are few among us for whom this made-up story of gender has not limited our understanding of who we might be or who we are. I heard a story a little while ago about basketball star Wilt Chamberlain, who despite being one of the greatest players of all time, was terrible at shooting free throws. Now, free throws are the only time in basketball where you get to stand right in front of the basket and make a shot without anybody in your way but the great Chamberlain only made an atrocious 40% of these shots. Except for one game, 
what will probably remain the highest scoring game of all time when he made 90% of his free throws. And the difference in this one game, he was shooting underhand from between his legs. <laughs> now in junior high, I learned that this was called granny style, but it's probably not appropriate. But it turns out that this is actually a much better way to shoot free throws. At the very end of the game, though, Chamberlain decided to go back to throwing overhand and decided to go back to missing. And the only reason he ever gave for the switchback was that throwing underhand made him feel like a sissy. To the greatest basketball player of all time, the only thing more important than the game that he dedicated his life to more important than his career even, more important even than being a good teammate, was not looking like a sissy. I wish that he had had a summer camp friend like mine or a progressive faith community like yours. If we could have not loved the hell out of him, at least we could have loved the bad free-throwing out of him. <laughs> Religion ought to be a place where we get together and dismantle the boxes that have been placed over us and locked down around us. If you agree, would you say dismantle the boxes? Religious community should be a place of love that comes in rainbow colors. Dear ones, there are those of us who were raised as boys, and we were educated into this masculinity. We who call ourselves men have sometimes chosen misguided understandings of status over our relationships. We've been taught, we were taught, to choose image over authenticity, to value speaking more than listening, to choose objectification instead of connection too often. Fellow men, if this describes some piece of your own story, as it certainly does mine, will you join me in recommitting to the beloved community that sets our relationships ahead of the false idols of status and power? Fellow men, would you say I do? I do. Thank you. So similarly, for those of us educated into the myth of whiteness, We've too often were taught to value comfort above justice, to value individualism above community, and intellectualized empathy instead of gut-level transformation, when transformation is what this country so badly needs right now. Fellow white folks, at a time when our country continues policies of separating families, particularly families of color at the border, and continues policies, systematic policies of separating families in detention centers around the country, and continues policies of devastating whole neighborhoods as well as families of color through a system of mass incarceration. Fellow white folks, will you join me in recommitting to re-education and commit to loving justice not just as an idea but as a new way of life? If so, would you say I do? Thank you. Those of us of all different kinds of identities have all different kinds of commitments to be making if we're going to build the kind of world we want to live in together because nobody but nobody can make it here alone. In Canada, a couple years ago, a particularly concerning video went viral online and began making the news it was so popular. This video was of a white religious woman rapping about how confused transgender people were and why they shouldn't be allowed to use the bathrooms for which they identify. That's right, I said rapping. This video was offensive on multiple fronts. <laughs> An 11-year-old Unitarian Universalist friend of mine named Anthony James wanted to respond 
because having grown up in Unitarian Universalist community, it had never occurred to him that religion would be used for the purposes of discrimination. That's sweet, huh? <laughs> for him, as someone who himself identified as a gender-creative person, his religious community had been the first place where he was totally accepted without reservation. And so he got to work, and he organized his mom, and then dozens of other congregations from across Canada to come together and make a new video, a video sending messages of love and support to the trans community, and declaring the role of religion in celebrating our full humanity regardless of gender expression. Now, when Anthony's mother expressed perhaps legitimate concern about him as a gender-creative 11-year-old putting a video of himself permanently online, speaking out about this controversial issue, she said, some people out there will hold this against you. And 11-year-old Anthony responded, right, Mom, that is not a reason to be quiet. That is a reason to speak up. As a white guy with a middle-class background, I sometimes feel like I showed up wearing just the right costume to this party. It means that by some accident of fate, things around me can seem more equitable than they are, or my community can appear safer for me than it is for others. I need people like Anthony and people like my summer camp friend to mentor me, to teach me the ways of beloved community. Would you say beloved community? I invite you to join me in seeking out those mentors that can show us the better way that we didn't know was possible. Together we can get together and we can change the rules of this game. Will you say change the rules? where we've been limited by made-up stories of race and gender, and where we recognize those stories manifested in systems of oppression surrounding us and also within us. Let's get together and dismantle the false binaries wherever we find them and build bridges, not walls, to justice. Would you say bridges, not walls? And friends, in our prayers and in our words and in our faithful action, let's go forth in love to build the world that we know is possible. Would you say love? Amen. May it be so.